This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good evening, good evening. Good to see you here. Bless you if you're watching by live stream. You're glad you're here. Just real briefly, if you need a Bible, get your hand up real quick and our ushers will get you one. Go with me back into the beginning of the Old Testament there to Exodus chapter 13. And as you're turning there, a couple of quick announcements. Um, the faith closet's open tonight right after the service. Be sure and get your kids before you go to that. And then just we do a, a fundraiser through Pan Express out at 114th and Quaker that goes to help women go to the women's retreat. So that is this evening. If you can do that, just be sure and mention you're with Faith Church and they'll take care of you. We appreciate you doing that. Before I get in the tithes and offers, I'm just kind of pulling my heart a little bit here. Um, you know, I, I don't know everybody's personality in here, but sometimes with me, I, I get so uh, task-oriented. I, I get so scheduled. Anybody else in here get really scheduled? Where me just And so I, I can get up in the morning. I, I can do a de morning devotion. I, I can pray. I, I do affirmations or confessions every morning. I, I can do every one of them, and it's just go, do, 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 all, almost like a checklist. Check that off. I check that off. I check that off. And the Lord will begin to minister to me. He'll begin to move in my heart so many times throughout the year in this area right here that it's, it's like more than just checking things off the list. And this is all in Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. But it was the story of the two sisters, Martha and Mary. And in it, the Lord Jesus, he said to Martha, Martha, you're, you're troubled about many things. But he said, your sister Mary has found the good part. And the Lord Jesus specifically said, she, she sits at my feet and hears my word. She slows down long enough just to get to the feet of Jesus. And this is what's been happening with me here for a number of days here. And it's like the Lord says, just, just sit at my feet. You don't have to open your mouth. Just, just sit at my feet and enjoy my presence. And I can tell you right now, it's changed me again. I, I love it. I, I love it, and has it messed with my routine? <laughs> Absolutely it has. But I, I love just sitting there. And you know, many times the Lord wants to speak to us, but we're too busy to let him talk to us. And so I highlight that tonight, and I, I highly recommend that you start doing that. And I'm, I'm not saying that you've got to sit there for hours. If you have that much time, that's great. But if I could just sit there in fellowship with him and his feet, God would move. Well, praise the Lord, just a little God thought there for you. Again, I told you to go to Exodus 13. We're doing our tithes and offerings. Um, last two weeks, I talked about Proverbs 3, 9. It says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to show us biblically tonight the significance of what the Bible says about the first fruits. So we're in Exodus 13, verse 1 and 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate, sanctify, set apart to me. Listen to this. 
all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, whether it's man or beast or better yet animal, it is mine. Now, the firstborn here, it belonged to God in a special way. And this was a symbol of the first fruit offering. So you see here again something just jump out immediately. God's after the first. Now turn just a couple pages to Exodus 23. Exodus chapter 23. And I want you to see this. This is verse 19. Now listen to what he says. The first, the choices, the best, of the first fruits of your land. Now when you look at this, back in the Old Testament times, the Israelites' means of a living was... They were either ranchers or they were farmers. So we saw the firstborn, but this time he says, the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord. So the first fruits here, it meant the best of your labor. Now when you read that right there, it's very clear what God's after. He's after the first. He's not after our leftovers. And so when you honor God with the first fruits of your increase, this is what I believe literally happens. That I honor God with my 10% and God blesses the other 90%. Now I don't know about you, I would rather have the other 90% blessed than me keep all 100% and it be cursed. Now, an interesting thing off of verse 19, and you got to catch this. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord. Don't get mad at me for reading that, okay? I did write it. God, right here, he designates where the first of the first fruits is to go, okay? I didn't do that. God did. And so something happens when I honor what God says. So it's not up to me where that goes. God told us where it's to go. Thank you, Pastor, for telling us the truth. You're welcome. Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight, Lord. And I ask that you bring revelation, that you would soak us with the thought of the first, Lord. That that first is very holy to you. And so, Lord, right now, we we thank you for the opportunity to give the first fruits of all our increase in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. I I enjoy just little nuggets on giving every week. Go with me into the the New Testament. Now, we're going way back to the back of the New Testament, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're still on our series here on the areas of faith. And as you're turning to 2 Peter 1... You know, we all have to resist the urge that I I can get lazy in my faith. I I can get stagnant in my faith. And sometimes when things in life start happening, we we have the thought, I, I want people to feel sorry for me. I want sympathy. But you know, the truth of the matter is God tells us all the things we need to do with the Bible. And so the best thing you can do is get up. 
Get back up spiritually. Get, get, get back up and get back in there. And I got to do that so I, I always keep trusting God. And I, I keep believing God day by day by day. So we're going to begin here in 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith or received faith of the same value. Now that's just talking to everyone. When you get born again, you obtain equal privilege through our faith. Now watch what he goes on to say. Those who obtain like precious faith. It's interesting the word he used right there. He said precious faith. I, I don't know if you've ever done this or not, or you've ever viewed faith as precious. Man, when something's precious, that's valuable. You, you take care of that. You watch over it. And I believe that's what he's telling us. We've obtained like precious faith with us by. Now notice how all this takes place. By the righteousness of God and the Savior, the Lord Jesus. So the Lord Jesus, he's our source to every bit of that. Verse 3. 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, another interesting statement Peter brings out. He said, grace and peace be multiplied. He didn't say be added to you. He said be multiplied to you. So I don't know about you, but I'm very interested in grace and, and peace being multiplied to me. That's attractive to me. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. The Greek word for knowledge right here indicates insight. So Peter's message here to me and you is that the true knowledge is found in God through the scriptures. You want to get knowledge? Get in the word of God. Now he said peace and grace would be, or grace and peace would be multiplied through us in the knowledge of God. So the more of the knowledge of God I begin to get, the more grace and peace that will be multiplied to me. Wow. Verse 3. As his divine power, or by his divine power, has given to us, the believers, all things that pertain to life, and godliness. For his divine power has given us everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness. And how does that take place? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now he's given us all these things. And it's like to me when he gives us all these things. He's given us an inheritance. But an inheritance does me no good, number one, if I don't even know what my inheritance is, or number two, I do not know how to allocate that or activate an inheritance. You may be sitting in here right now, 
And you may not be aware that you've got a relative that left you a huge inheritance. You're not even aware of it. Same with the Word of God. God's given us incredible things that many times we're not aware. And he said here, all this right here, who's called us by his glory and his virtue. Now, when you see the, the word glory that there, it actually has the meaning of glorious manifestations. The word virtue here means value, moral excellency, and goodness, which was commonly referred to to the manifestations of God's miracle power. So God's got miracle power for every one of us. I didn't know that. Every one of us in here, he does. Verse 4. By which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Once you give your heart to Jesus, you come in line, not just for these promises, but if you'll notice, he said something more. He said, these great and precious promises. That through these, you may be partakers of his divine nature. His DNA, it grows up within us. And he ultimately ends and says, having escaped the corruption or being acquitted from moral decay that is in the world through lust. So you know what? When I look at everything, I don't have to lust for the things of the world. God's going to bless me with everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's going to take care of us. But through all this right here, I got to gain knowledge of what's mine through Christ Jesus. I got to get in the Bible. And then when you start finding scripture that you realize this is a precious promise, do you know the Bible? I can have what it says I can have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. And I can be what the Bible says I can be. All you got to do is get through the scripture and find that out. And then I start looking and say, you know what? That's what God says for me. And then how do I allocate it? I stir that up by faith. Now, turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And as you're turning to Luke 5, the Lord Jesus in the scriptures and then through the writer of Hebrews, he said in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to please God. Without faith it's impossible to please him. So right there it tells me, man, I got to do everything that, it, that, that I can do to get more faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to turn your faith loose? Start saying about yourself what God says. Start speaking the word of God out of your mouth. But in Hebrews eleven six, 6, he says, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he is a rewarder and a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word diligent is almost the exact opposite meaning of lazy. I can't have lazy faith. I can't have stagnant faith. And so in, in saying that right there, hold on to the things of God. Hold on to the word of God. 
Hang with it. Now, where I'm at in Luke 5, I read this last week, but it was through the scope of Mark. This was Mark 2. Now we're going to look at it through Luke's eyes in Luke 5. And get ready again tonight. I'm telling you, there's incredible stuff in here. We begin in verse 17 of Luke 5. Now, it happened on a certain day as Jesus was teaching. I, I highlight these every time we get in these because note here, the very first thing Jesus did, he taught him the word. He knew I got to get faith. I got to get faith in him. I got to teach him the word. And there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who'd come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Some translation says the spirit of the Lord was present to heal them. Verse 18, then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. Now, when I, I read this here in verse 18, it says they brought up a, a man on a bed. The word brought is a verb. They, they actually did something. They didn't stay at home and pray, and there's nothing wrong with praying, but it says they actually brought this paralyzed man to Jesus, and it said here, and they sought to bring him and lay him before the Lord. Our assignment is to bring people to the feet of Jesus. And then that's it. We can't save anybody. We can't heal anybody. But if we can just get people to the feet of Jesus, something begins to happen. Now keep reading, verse 19. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. So in reading this, they had tenacious faith. They had diligent faith. And again, we rewind a little bit from last week. Many times when we, we enter something that looks like a dead end, we think, well, it, it must not have been God's will or this wouldn't have happened. But it's interesting here that this tenacious faith, this diligent faith said, we got to do whatever we can to get this guy to the feet of Jesus. And that's persistence. But not only did they say, we got to get him to Jesus' feet. I read into this once again. These guys had an expectation. They knew when we get him to Jesus, something's going to happen. And, and I highlight that us again. And we got to start living with an expectation. That God's going to do something. And he's going to do something big right here. And so when they started tearing the, the tile off, to me, you know what it was? It was a demonstration of their faith. Why do I say that? Verse 20. And when Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith. He, he saw their expectation. He saw their confidence. And I highlight something here. He saw their faith. He didn't see the paralyzed man's faith. He saw these four men 
that brought this, this guy to the feet of Jesus. And when I begin to read that, do you know there's times in every one of our lives we live off of somebody else's faith? They become our lifeline through their prayers. They ask God to grace us. They ask God to favor us. They ask God to save us. Let me, let me ask some here. Are any of you in here walking with God because of a prayer of a friend, an uncle, an aunt, a mom, or dad? Anybody in here like that? I'm here. I'm here because of a praying mama. Praying Samuels come from praying Hannah's. I am a result of a mother that never gave up. Thank, thank God. That's why. Hang on to that, okay? Don't let go of those things. Now, there's another side of that coin, though. You can't live off your mama's faith forever. You know what that means? You're going to have to grow up. You're going to have to get your own faith. And so right here to this, this paralyzed man, thank God the day's not over. So we keep reading. Jesus sees their faith. And he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. Wow. Man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, I, I look at every bit of He sees their faith. Again, he sees their expectation, and we know they go overboard. Got to get him. We got to get him to Jesus. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. But I back up just a little bit. I can't get away from their expectation. And I think about this in our life. How many times in our life do we have an expectation? Woo, some of you, man, you know. You, you, you're getting ready to go on vacation. 14 days out, you start marking the count. 14 days and we're out of here. 10 days, we're out of here. Four days, we're out of here. You grab your wife's hand and say, ooh, tomorrow we're out of here. Why? You got an expectation? Sometimes we have an expectation for a big birthday party. I remember growing up as a little guy. My grandma lived in Oklahoma, and when we would go to grandma's house for, for Christmas, I had an expectation. You know why? I knew when we got there, grandma was going to have something good to eat. But if I have an expectation to go to grandma's house, why don't I have an expectation to go to God's house? And so here their expectation again. We got to get him to Jesus. And the first thing Jesus says to him is, man, man, your sins are forgiven. This was Jesus' assignment. This was priority number one with Jesus is to save mankind. And the very first thing he does is he wants to change this man inwardly. It doesn't do no good to change a man outwardly if you don't first change him inwardly. And so to this man, he hears them, the Lord Jesus say, your sins are forgiven. Remember Jesus' assignment? I came to seek and save that which was lost, and I came to destroy the works of darkness. And guess what? He finished both assignments. This should be our number one reason right here to get people to the feet of Jesus. That their sins become forgiven. And they get born again. Anybody again here got some family or friends that need to get born again? 
So they get him to the feet of Jesus. Verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees, a.k.a. the haters, they begin to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Now, when you look at these guys, you know what they're doing? They're looking at any loophole they can to dog Jesus. I don't want to live my life looking for loopholes. I want to look to the one that can help me. So there's two types of people. There's people that look for loopholes, and there's people that look to Jesus and say, I want your help. I, I need you. So they're looking at Jesus, how to pin him for anything. But when Jesus perceived or he knew fully their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? You know what Jesus does? He pegs them. He reads their mail. You would think they'd say, okay, that's, we better stop. I mean, when Jesus looks at you and he knows the very thing you're thinking, the very reasoning you're doing, so Jesus says to them, which is easier to say to you, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk. And Jesus says that to them. Which is easier, fellas? And so I'm looking at this, this passage back in Mark, and I find this little nugget, and it says this. The scribes were correct in their proclamation that only God can forgive sin. And they were also correct in their charge of blasphemy against Jesus. Unless he could provide visible evidence of his authority and his ability to grant forgiveness. Unless. But you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. That you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. And Jesus is getting over this, that you may know. I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. So what Jesus is doing, he's proven to them, I've got authority. He demonstrates authority over sin here. But now we got the man, the paralyzed man. And he here, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Arise, take up your bed, and go home. And he's looking, and he thinks, was he not paying any attention how I got in here? Excuse me, Mr. Jesus. I'm the guy they let down in the mat. Interesting, huh? So right here, when Jesus says, I say to you, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. You know what Jesus just did? He upgrades this guy's faith. How does he upgrade this guy's faith? His faith? Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. So what happens with every one of us in this room? I, I got two choices. I lean on my own understanding and I say, hey, I'm paralyzed. Or 
I trust in the Lord and I believe what the Lord Jesus said. And when I believe what the Lord Jesus says, something begins to happen just like with this man. Oof. So Jesus says, arise, pick up your bed and go home. Pick up your mat. Why would Jesus tell him to pick up his mat? You know what his mat was? His mat was his testimony. And you know what the Lord Jesus said? Don't ever throw away your testimony. Don't, don't you ever forget what I did for you. Don't ever forget that I saved you inwardly and I healed you outwardly. And it's interesting to this that he's saying this becomes your testimony. And he said, go home. Why did he tell him to go home? Because you're going to be around people that they've been around you whole life. And they look and said, what happened to you, Larry? Jesus forgave me and Jesus healed me. Don't ever forget your testimony. Don't ever forget your math. Don't ever forget the things that Jesus did for you. And it says here, immediately he rose up before them, took up what he'd been lying on, and departed his own house glorifying God. Glorifying God. Can you imagine? I don't know how long this guy has been paralyzed. Maybe his entire life. But when you get saved and you get healed like this, in the, don't you think you ought to glorify God? Now let me ask you something. When's the last time you glorified God? When's the last time you said, thank you, Father God, thank you. Thank you. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Thank you, Father God. I'm, I'm so grateful for everything you've done for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so this guy, he glorifies the Lord Jesus right here. What's your testimony? See, my testimony is a thing called alcohol. I was dominated by God. That stuff used to wear me out. But you know what? I can tell you something. What Jesus did for me, he'll do for you. He's no respecter of persons. And so Jesus, Jesus set me free. I'm telling you, he set me free. Free. Turn with me to Revelations 12. What's your testimony again? Now, I'm having you go to Revelations 12. Because I want you to see this, that I, I really believe that the two things that happened to this guy, the paralyzed man, I believe this is in just this one verse. Now, watch what it says, Revelations 12, 11. And they, people that have gotten born again, they overcome him, the devil, and how do we overcome the devil? By the blood of the lamb. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The only cure for, the blood of, uh, for, for sin is the blood of Jesus. That's it. I like to call the blood of Jesus the great stain stick to sin. Now if you ever get real close to me, a lot of times on my shirts, I'll, I'll have marks of coffee right here. You know why? I have a hole in my lip. 
This is truth. So in my desk drawer in my office, they, they keep a Tide stain stick in there. You know why? Because it covers a multitude of stains. I do it and it's just, oh, happy day. That's what the blood of Jesus does when I say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. And I'm going to tell you right now, it, it, it doesn't matter how big your, your, your stain is, okay? The blood of Jesus can handle it, I promise. So we overcome by the blood. Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood tonight. Thank you. And there's some of you even watching by. You need to thank the Lord for his blood tonight. Thank you, Lord. But watch the last part here. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And so when I look at the word of their testimony, you know what the word of their testimony is? It's faith's confession. The word of their testimony is declaring Christ's ultimate victory in my life. The word of their testimony is they maintain their confession of faith. They never forget what Jesus does. It becomes a declaration of the redemptive work of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It is the abiding word and the faith is what my testimony is. It says, God did this. And it's never changed. And so I believe that God wants to give every one of us a testimony. So I wonder if that guy, the paralyzed man, he didn't have that mat down in his man cave. And when everybody went down to watch the cowboys, he'd say, hey, did I ever tell you why that mat hangs on that wall? It's a lot more important than the ball game today. That Jesus will forgive you. And Jesus is still in the business of taking messes and making miracles. Jesus will set you free. Not only will he forgive you, he'll heal you. He'll set you free. And that's the great thing about this passage. It doesn't matter who you are. But I believe every one of us in here Man, if you've got lazy faith tonight, don't let your faith become lazy. You know what I found in this life? That every one of us in this room, everybody in here, we're facing some type of issue or circumstance right now. Whether it's you individually, whether it's a family member, children, whether it's a job. Is anyone in here tonight, do you not have any circumstances or problem? Anybody? You say, I'm, I'm free, nothing. See, every one of us in here got problems. The only difference is sometimes with people who have problems and circumstances, they want everybody to know, woe is me. But there's people that are sitting here right now, you would never know they had a problem or circumstances. You know why? Because they trust in the Lord with all their heart and they lean not under their own understanding. They say, you know what? I'm going to turn it over to God. I'm going to let God move. I'm going to let God go to work in my life. But you stand up on that thought right there. Ooh, there's a lot in that passage. I'll probably keep hitting it again for a while. But I just want you to bow your head right there where you're at. Do you have any type of expectation today? I, I pray right now. And you know, if that's you, if you say, I, 
I don't have any expectation. Or you know what? I need to enlarge my expectation. Don't you raise your hands here to heaven. Father God, we ask you to grace us. The Lord, you said you've given us exceedingly great and precious promises. And so, Lord, on those lines, stir up an expectation with us. And Father God, you told us there in Hebrews 13, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, God. You're the God who said, I don't change. And so, Lord, right now, we pray that right now. We pray. We pray that if the ones are in dead in faith, that you... You bring a faith dozer in there, knock walls down. And Father God, ones that have stagnant faith, that it stirs back up. And Lord, we pray right now that Father God, that through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, man, we walk in victory tonight. Lord, I pray over everyone in here, Lord, your miracle power, your victories over them, Father God. Now grace us in the inner man, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.